We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select. Welcome to Picks for Polls, presented by the Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Just like the Bears, there's uncertainty about the quarterback position as the Minnesota Vikings head into year three of the Kwesi Adolfo Mensa Kevin O'Connell era. And just like Chicago, there's a handful of decisions need to be made about young players, veterans, and pretty much everything in between. The Vikings 2023 season wasn't exactly sunshine and rainbows, but it did prove that the front office has a lot of work to do this offseason. The generic answer is that division rivals will never reveal their plans, but everybody's watching in some capacity. It's the worst kept secret around the league that the Bears need a quarterback and are in the market for a quarterback this offseason. It's also the worst kept secret that there's a possibility Kirk Cousins isn't back in Minnesota in 2024, ending a seven-year run. And it's not a secret that Ryan Poles has a big decision that he needs to make when both teams are on the clock come Thursday, April 25th, it'll be interesting. We could possibly see two rookie quarterbacks in the NFC North in 2024, setting the stage for two players to be tied at the hip for their entire careers. What's up everybody. Welcome into the picks for Paul's podcast brought to you by the bear report and blue wire pods. I'm your host to say Cole Sean for today. We're continuing our off-season series where we talk to reporters who cover teams that will be picking inside the top 10 and possibly top 15 in the first round. The Bears' needs are absolutely no secret. As Tyler Fornis, managing editor for the USA Today's Vikings Wire details when I spoke to him. We got into what the Vikings could do in March and April, some key decisions that need to be made, including key free agents, the future of the quarterback position, whether or not Kirk Cousins really wants to 
be back in Minnesota next season, what this regime has kind of done over the last two seasons. So we discussed in a short amount of time a whole lot. Before we officially get into the interview, I did want to apologize. I had some audio issues on my end, so it may sound like I was muffled, but please do enjoy the interview. Enjoy the episode. I apologize again for the technical difficulties. Remember to bear down and have notifications turned on for us so you don't miss an episode. Joining us now on the Picks for Polls podcast, he's the managing editor for USA Today's Vikings Wire website. We've got Tyler Forness in the house. You can follow him on Twitter at the Real Forno. He's going to be breaking down everything regarding the Minnesota Vikings, who face a really intriguing offseason. Minnesota, as everyone knows, is heading into year three of the Quesi Adolfo Mensa and Kevin O'Connell era, but there's a lot that's going to happen over the next two months that is going to determine what's next for this team. But Tyler, how are you doing today? Thanks so much for hopping on here. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm doing great. It's, uh, it's a very interesting time living in the Midwest. I have like no snow on the ground right now and it's end of February. That is, I, I don't think there's ever been a time in my lifetime where I've been able to say that. Yeah, I feel the same way because I'm here in Illinois and I actually just got done with football practice. So like offseason stuff and it's crazy how much um, there is absolutely no snow on the ground. It's like 50 to 60 degrees, which quite frankly for us Midwesterners, especially if you're used to those brutally cold winters in Chicago and Minnesota, mm-hmm. makes it really, really nice. But I mean, let's just get right into it here because you got the Bears and Vikings, two division rivals. They've been going at it for forever. They both have a lot of questions that they want to answer this offseason. I think from a Bears perspective, Chicago didn't take the jump in 2023 that maybe a lot of people wanted. From a Vikings perspective, you know, you could argue that there was a really slow start. There was some regression, but they still managed to finish the season strong. But going into the offseason, I mean, let's just talk about Kirk Cousins real quick because he, I feel like, is the wild card. He's coming off a torn Achilles. What's next for him? Do you get the sense that he's possibly back in Minnesota? If he's back in Minnesota, he's going to have to really concede what he wants in a contract because the Vikings aren't going to budge. One of the reasons they didn't get him on an extension before the 2023 season, the Vikings wouldn't guarantee 2025. And that's what Kirk wants. He w- it's not about the money to him. It's about what the money stands for. And what that money stands for is I'm the guy and you're going to pay me like the guy he may take a little bit less to have that fully guaranteed structure that he loves. Oh, so much Vikings gave it to him in 2018. And then with a two year extension, they gave it to him again, a one, one year extension, fully guaranteed doesn't really mean a lot. A lot of players will get that, but the Vikings aren't going to be willing to go multiple years. So if they're not willing to go multiple years, who will, I think somebody's going to be willing to do it. (laughs) Man, I got some, stuff building up in my throat. having talked Kirk Cousins so much, but it's going to be an interesting paradigm because the Vikings won't do it. Kirk wants it. Is he going to be willing to sacrifice those wants of his to stay? And I think the only reason he'd be willing to do that is if nobody's going to offer him what he wants in free agency. I think somebody's going to offer him what he wants, whether it be the Atlanta Falcons, the Pittsburgh Steelers, maybe the Las Vegas Raiders. I, I, it's really up in the air to see as far as like quarterbacks, who's going to really try and pursue him. But I just don't think that he's going to come back because of some of those issues 
contractually that they're just so far apart on. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I mean, yeah, it's certainly, I think, this incredibly intriguing dynamic that's going on here. Because I think from a Bears perspective, you ultimately look at this thing. And one of the big things that you kind of have to say here is this. And by the way, sorry, I'm recording this from my office building. So if you hear rumbling in the background, I apologize. But um, I think ultimately, you know, when you start to look at this entire situation, you know, what you have is this essentially where... He's been there for so long. He's kind of been the reason that they've had a lot of pretty good years. They've obviously never been able to get over the hump. But, I mean, if I had to bet right now, I would definitely say that Kirk's the type of guy where he's at the point in his career where if he was another NFL quarterback, you know, then he would probably be the bridge guy. But I think he's going to make it very clear, like, yeah, I want to be the guy that's starting. I want to know what your plans at quarterback are. And, you know, going into that like it kind of is this dynamic where they're gonna have to figure out what they want to do now that leads me to this if you look at quarterback let's assume Kirk Cousins isn't back I mean what are some positions of need the Vikings are gonna have to go after this offseason well outside of quarterback it's all about the defensive front the edge rusher position they have three free agents Daniel Hunter Marcus Davenport and DJ Wanham uh, Davenport, the Vikings signed to that one-year $13 million prove-it deal. If they were to sign him to a $5 million one-year contract now, they would actually save $100,000 on the salary cap due to how uh, they structured out the void years. And because the idea was, oh, if you perform, we're going to give you an extension. That's why they set it up the void years the way they did. And it makes sense because the cap's going to go up so much over the course of the next uh, decade. It's probably going to go up around $20 million this year. So having $1.7 million each of the next four years, it's incredibly palatable. Well, he only played like two and a half games officially, and he suffered high ankle sprains to both ankles, one of which he actually had surgery on and never ended up returning. But then you have DJ Wanham, who against the Detroit Lions tore his quadricep tendon. And for those professional wrestling fans, Triple H had that injury twice. Vince McMahon suffered that injury to both legs at the 2005 Royal Rumble. It's a brutal injury. It takes like eight to 10 months to truly come back from. So he is a, a massive wild card as well. Both of them are predicted to get less than $5 million per year, according to PFS Brad Spielberger. And he is usually spot on with a lot of these contracts. But then there's Daniel Hunter. 
who all reports are saying that he wants the bag. He wants to get as much money as possible because he feels screwed over by that first contract, which is his representative's fault. They took the bad deal and it looked really bad just three weeks in because Khalil Mack then signed that $23 million year deal with the bears after the trade from the Raiders, $9 million difference for players that right now I'd say Daniel Hunter's better than Khalil Mack. So he wants to get paid and I'm curious if the Vikings are going to be willing to do it. If they don't, it's $14 million dead, which is already included in the projected $24 million that they're already set to have in cap space. So I think that they really need to focus on that. Plus the defensive line, it's Harrison Phillips, who's a very good player and nothing. They don't really have anybody that they can trust to give you significant snaps with a high skill level. They don't really have anybody who's of starter quality. They're going to need to rebuild those positions significantly. And while needing a quarterback, they might not be able to actually spend any high draft picks on those positions, which is going to make it very difficult. Yeah, it's this kind of weird. I feel like, you know, they're in this weird spot right here this offseason where you could, for certain positions, certainly make an argument and say, hey, it's time to kind of get younger. Maybe let a younger guy that you drafted over the last few years step into a role or go ahead and let a rookie kind of take the reins here. Or it's kind of, hey, let's bring a player who, despite getting older, like Daniel Hunter, still has been able to consistently produce. But Getting into some of the stuff here that we're going to see throughout April, I mean, what's the best route for this team to take irrespective of the quarterback position, knowing that you're sitting there with the 11th overall pick? Do they maybe stand pat there and go ahead, select whoever falls to them, let the board fall, or do they maybe get aggressive if they say, hey, we're moving on from Kirk Cousins, we like one of these four quarterbacks, we're going to go ahead and make a trade up? I think they're going to be aggressive and try to make the trade up. We'll see if there's a taker last year. They were working on a deal with the Arizona Cardinals to go get Anthony Richardson. The Cardinals balked because they didn't want to go down that far. So they've already shown the aggressiveness when they love a quarterback. They want to go get him. If they end up liking three guys in this class, they're probably going to try to get up to number three and the Panthers are, or sorry, the Patriots are a very big wild card. They are so far away and they need to build up the infrastructure of the team, it might be smarter for them to trade down and get multiple first-round picks and build up the trenches before they end up going to get the quarterback. That so, might be the direction they want to go, and I think they're going to be aggressive and try to trade up. If they don't, they got to hope McCarthy falls to 11. I don't think he will, but those are really your two options if that quarterback. So you kind of alluded to my next question there, but I mean... I don't think, you know, Kwesi Adolfa Mensa knowing him and kind of the way that he operates, knowing Kevin O'Connell's background coming from that Sean McVay tree, but it's too big of a jump for them to make to go from 11 all the way up to, you know, one, two or three. I certainly don't see a trade to one even happening, but mm-hmm. how about this? Let's just say between the three, you've got Drake May, Jaden Daniels and JJ McCarthy. I mean, what's the general consensus around the Vikings media and the Vikings fan base and just overall feeling around the franchise about one of those three guys? Because to me, I mean, it seems like Kevin O'Connell is very much a Jaden Daniels slash JJ McCarthy type head coach. Yeah. When it comes to that, 
excuse me, I, I apologize. I've got some buildup in my throat here. When it comes to those two guys, I think you're spot on. I think that's going to be the preferred path for Kevin O'Connell and how he wants to approach the position. But that doesn't mean he's not going to love uh, Caleb Williams and Jane Daniels. They both uh, have shown the ability to really want to stay in the pocket and fire downfield. And that's the big thing for O'Connell. You got to win from the pocket. You love all the extra stuff. But if you can't win from the pocket, you're not going to succeed in his offense. And Drake May, I think, is going to be the top guy on their board for that reason. He's so good in the pocket. He can move. He can create outside of structure. He wasn't as good as the other three guys up at the top. But I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that the he doesn't want to run. He will. But it's not what he wants to. He wants to throw it on field. The scramble drills from the North Carolina receivers were just not good. And if you're not trying to get open for a quarterback, it's going to really hinder some of those out of structure numbers trying to create. And that all matters. And that all matters within the evaluations. I don't think there is a consensus across Vikings media or uh, the Vikings fan base of who's the best. Personally, I think Drake may is the number one quarterback in this class. I have it stacked may Williams, Daniels and McCarthy. And I would expect may to go second overall to the commanders. But if they end up picking Jaden Daniels, I would be absolutely thrilled to get may in purple and gold for some of the reasons that you stated. And I just think that potential is so sky high. And if you get him into an offense, that's good instead of the junk air raid offenses, he played with at North Carolina uh, and the infrastructure, the Vikings currently have Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison, Christian Darius on Brian O'Neill at tackle a really good creative play caller on O'Connell. I think this guy's the limit. On the Justin Jefferson situation, it's interesting that you bring him up because there were reports from a few weeks ago saying he doesn't really want to sign an extension until the Vikings kind of figure it out at quarterback. I mean, what's up with that whole situation? Has there been any new updates on that end from, you know, or for maybe people who don't follow the Vikings as closely? Because it seems like right now, like Justin Jefferson it's clear that the Vikings front office and coaching staff, they obviously want a player of his caliber back, but with no decisions made on the quarterback yet, I mean, you have to think that both sides know this thing's going to hang in limbo until draft night or until Kirk Cousins, you know, makes his decision. Well, it's weird because I think people are jumping on the wrong things. Jefferson has shown no signs of actually wanting to leave. He just knows what he's worth and he wants to get compensated for what he's worth. They were this close to getting an extension done last September, but they set a deadline for 3 p.m. Central time on Saturday, September 9th, the day before the game, that if they didn't get it done, they were going to revisit it in the offseason. And that's smart because you don't want to have like big contract extension talks during the season. You want to be focusing on the games. And everything Jefferson has said is like, look, I want to be here, but he also wants to know what's going to happen at quarterback. He wants cousins back, but he also gets that it's a business and the Vikings have said they want cousins back, but it takes two to tango. They have to be able to agree on a contract. So when you look at all those elements, uh, there's really nothing that says Jefferson wants to go or he won't sign a contract, but it has to be the right contract and it has to have the right kind of guarantees and all of those things. So I think he ends up signing a contract extension and I think it happens by I'd say training camp. That would be my lean on it. But I mean, he's 24 years old. He's the best receiver in football and he just wants to understand what the plan is for the Minnesota Vikings moving forward. And I think he's entitled to that. 
He wants to know that if he's signing here long-term, he's getting X, Y, or Z, and there's a real plan in place. And I think Kwesi Mensa and Kevin O'Connell have their plan, but they haven't revealed it to the public yet. And I think once the Kirk Cousins domino falls, we're going to really know a lot more about it. And then I think that's going to give us a better insight on when Jefferson may sign that extension. Yeah, and he's such an integral piece of that offense. I mean, you know, opposite him, you've got the emergence of Jordan Addison, who really kind of took off halfway through last season and then just never looked back. So they're really set at the wide receiver position in the foresee- for the foreseeable future in the event that they say, hey, you know, we're going to bring a young guy in or maybe we're going to go ahead and run it back with Kirk Cousins for another year or two. But let's focus on that 11th overall pick because obviously everyone's going to sit there and everyone's going to talk about, oh, well, they should trade up for a quarterback. And they've got two pretty good starting caliber tackles. Christian Derrissaw is a first-round pick. Brian O'Neill, again, a guy who not a lot of people outside the Vikings fan base know but has really been a good veteran, managed to hold it down for years. You look at the running game with Madison, it was pretty solid as well. But circling back to that 11th overall pick, I mean, if it's not quarterback, what do you think the Vikings do with the pick? Do they ultimately maybe try to trade up? Do they go with a pass rusher? Maybe a guy like Joe Alt or Olu Fashanu to potentially replace a guy like Brian O'Neill because he is starting to get up there in age becomes an automatic option for this team? Or does Adolfo Mensa do something that fans really aren't used to, which is, hey, let's trade down, let's recoup a couple picks, and then let's kind of see how this thing goes here. So I don't think Quasi Adolfo Mensa is going to end up trading down. He likes to trade. He likes to attack market inefficiencies. Obviously, he comes from the stock market world, and that's how you make your money. You attack inefficiencies in the market, and you maximize your profit. And when he traded down with the Lions, he saw an inefficiency in the market and he was able to get multiple players from that trade. Now, have they worked out? That's a different thing. Hitting on the picks versus the process being good. And the process was very good. Second, I don't think there's any chance to move off from Brian O'Neill. He's not even 30 years old yet. So being that he's not 30, I think they're going to really hold the fort and him and Darius are going to be there for a long time. Uh, I think what will end up happening is one of three things if they don't go quarterback because a quarterback is what they want, but let's say the quarterback options for what that value is are exhausted. I think they end up going defensive end or edge uh, cornerback or potentially a wide receiver. And that would only be if one of the top three fell Marvin Harrison jr. Is probably going third or fourth overall Romo Dunze and Malik neighbors. If one of them somehow falls to 11, I think that's an option because it's just a best player available. And Daniel Jeremiah said it earlier today that you could argue that those three are the best three players in the draft, regardless of positional value. So they need help at defensive end edge defensive interior really bad. I don't have uh, Johnny Newton or Byron Murphy, the second graded with a high enough grade to go at 11, but I do think Terry and Arnold is the best defensive player in this class out of Alabama. And I think he could give you, quite a bit at that position. Uh, I also love chop Robinson out of Penn state. The rest of the draft world is not with me, but I think chop Robinson is the fourth best player in this class for everybody I've watched so far. Uh, and he could give you an element of explosiveness and that explosiveness does come through in the running game. He can 
really be a disruptor on uh, in like gap schemes where there's a lot of pullers. And if you run right at him, he will disrupt the blockers. And then that allows people behind him to be able to run chase and be able to stop plays. It's going to be trenches cornerback or the wild cards wide receiver because the talent is that good. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check planning for what's next and how to save for it. That's where bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So are you saying that there's a scenario where we see them spend a high pick on a wide receiver? back to back and of the top guys right you kind of alluded to how marvin harrison jr is probably going to be a top five top eight pick there's not a chance that a guy such as you know he's even on the board when they pick at 11 but then you do have a couple guys here like brian thomas jr you've got malik neighbors Roma dunze who could potentially fall but of course neighbors and dunze are being mocked to or mocked inside the top 10 as well. Of some of the names at wide receiver that are not Marvin Harrison Jr., Neighbors, or Udunze, I mean, who makes sense for Minnesota with that 11th overall pick? Nobody. It would only be if one of those three guys was available at 11, just because I think the value would be so high that you end up taking it. The Vikings do have a need at wide receiver, but it's a minor one. It's wide receiver three and four. They need depth. They don't need top-end talent. But if one falls to you, there's just a part of you that's just going to say, you know what? Take it. The Cowboys took CeeDee Lamb a few years ago. They had no need at wide receiver. They were in a really good spot, but they saw, hey, this guy's incredible, and he's somehow available. We have to take him. And I think if Odunze or Neighbors was there, that conversation would be had. I'm not sure if they would 100% pull the trigger, but it would 100% be a discussion. Should we do this? Is this a great idea for our franchise? Because... Then, hey, if you end up getting that quarterback of the future in the second round or next year, just look at the weapons they have to throw to right away. And it makes their lives so much easier. So it'd be a conversation. I think round two, the possibility gets a little higher to take a receiver, but it's probably early day three where they really have that big conversation. This is a very, very deep wide receiver class with a lot of talent. And I think you could get a value. This is the franchise that got Stephon Diggs in round five because he dealt with a hamstring injury and there were some minor off the field, like, Hey, this guy's kind of annoying kind of character concerns. So they have a great track record of taking receivers. So I don't know. I, I don't see anybody like a Adonai Mitchell is my wide receiver for Jalen Polk is my wide receiver five. And I'm abnormally high on him compared to the rest in the industry. Xavier worthy at six. I don't really see any of those guys going that high. I could maybe see all of them sneaking into the back end of the first round, but they're probably around two guys in reality. Like, I think the only reason they take a receiver at 11 is if it's Odunze and neighbors and they're just like, this guy's too good. We can't pass him up. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be really interesting here because I almost feel like, you know, as a guy who has watched all these receivers just over the last couple of weeks here, I mean, I would not be surprised to see them say, Hey, you know, we've got a really good wide receiver room. 
why don't we go ahead and regardless of who's under center next year or in the coming years, if we do draft a rookie, just make a already strong position even stronger. Got a couple more for you here, but it's year three of the O'Connell, Adolfo, Mensa era. And I think by year three, you kind of get an idea of how a head coach and GM that were brought in the same year really begin to operate. You begin to kind of see the vision that they have for the franchise really start to materialize. I mean, break down some trends that you've noticed over the last couple of years that you think are noteworthy and that are really going to go ahead and have an impact as to what Minnesota does this offseason. I'm not really sure there's anything specific that as far as trends are concerned, except they like to maintain maximum flexibility and they like to do so with how they structure their contracts. And if a player doesn't work out, then they have the ability to get out of it. And then they also have the ability to move money down the road if they can. So I think that's going to be the biggest key here is they want to maintain flexibility in everybody that they sign. And I think that's one of the biggest hangups with the Justin Jefferson contract is they want to be able to move money around down the line if they need to and not have concrete structure. So it hinders some of that flexibility. So I'm still trying to kind of pinpoint, Hey, these like, what does this regime really prioritize in certain position groups like traits with Rick Spielman? It was pretty concrete. He had thresholds and you could see what those thresholds were, but we're only two years in. So it's hard to have enough data to truly be able to answer a lot of those questions. But the one thing has always been flexibility. He's talked about it ad nauseum and I'm, I'm very intrigued to see how he structures some of these longer term deals because the only long-term deal he signed is TJ Hawkinson. He signed a three-year deal with Josh Oliver, but it easy out after two. Zedaria Smith was a three-year deal that was disguised as a two-year deal. Uh, so I, I'm just intrigued to kind of see how that information develops, but we just don't have a ton yet. And he doesn't really have a heavy background of, oh, he was with this organization for X amount of years, so they're going to handle it this way. He worked under John Lynch. He worked under Andrew Barry. So you can kind of take a little from both, but it's not... There's just as enough concrete data yet. Yeah, I'm just saying that TJ Hawkinson trade a couple of years ago, well, about a year and a half ago at this point, was definitely super underrated, especially for those of us that own him in our dynasty mm-hmm. leagues. But last one here, I mean, you got the scouting combine coming up next week in Indianapolis. And it's always kind of the place where a lot of the groundwork for the offseason gets laid because pretty much you know what happens at the scouting combine, believe it or not. Um, ends up impacting what happens the rest of March, but all of April. What are the Vikings looking to do next week at the scouting combine? Anything specific on your list that you feel like, all right, there's a free agent there that they absolutely need to go talk to this agent or they need to get, you know, whatever, 10 minutes with a certain prospect to be able to get the information on him. But what do they got to do in Indianapolis next week? I think they're going to do everything they can to gather more information on the quarterbacks. And I think they're going to do a lot about edge rushers and defensive linemen in free agency because it outs- the reason why free agency was created was because of a labor issue to make uh, it a fair labor practice. But the biggest reason that the biggest way teams utilize free agency is to fix holes, fix problems. So defensive line edge rusher and running back, I think are the going to be the three biggest targets for the Minnesota Vikings. And I've been screaming from the, the treetops for last week, Saquon Barkley needs to be a priority because he would fix 
a running game that could be really good. It just stinks. So I think those are going to be the priorities for some of those conversations. They're also going to talk to Kirk Cousins agent. They're going to talk to Justin Jefferson's, and then they're going to talk to the rest of the league and try and figure out, Hey, what is the value for Justin Jefferson? What is the value for Kirk Cousins? What is the value for Daniel Hunter? And I think the answers from the combine, which is basically a giant middle school gossip session are going to really help the organization be able to plan out for the future, because those are the big questions that need to be answered and could alter what the Vikings will be down the line. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be something interesting to watch because again, I feel like, you know, an outside read on the organization, the state of the Vikings roster kind of goes with, if you do decide to run it back with Kirk Cousins and you're looking at a team that's going to plug in a couple holes, obviously get somewhat younger in the process and then be right back there in contention for a possible playoff spot next year. But if they don't necessarily run it back, they'll still be a competitive enough team, especially when you have a mastermind like Brian Flores as your defensive coordinator. And then there's also a handful of other key decisions to make, like, hey, what are we going to do with Daniel Hunter? What do we want to ultimately go ahead and do with a guy such as Justin Jefferson? Because there's no way he should be leaving town at this point. But ultimately, right, it's going to be a fun next, you know, two and a half months here for Vikings fan. Before we get out of here, I mean, where can people follow you on Twitter and go ahead and check out your work to stay updated on all things Vikings? Absolutely. You can follow me on Twitter at The Real Forno. I am managing editor for USA Today's Vikings Wire. That's where you can find all my written coverage. And then you can also check out my YouTube channel, Vikings First in School, which is also the podcast feed. We just passed 2,600 subscribers yesterday, and we did a mock draft with the premise being the Vikings trade Justin Jefferson to get to third overall. Not saying it's a good or a bad idea, but we like to use mock drafts to explore unique scenarios to try and keep everybody as informed as possible because you never know when a Larry Me Tunsil gas mask is going to pop back up. Yeah, that is definitely so true. I remember that 2016 draft was one where it was here in Chicago. So, yeah, I remember that being a big story at the uh, draft party. But, you know, thanks so much for hopping on here. Let us know if you ever need anything. Always happy to help in any way that we can. And, you know, looking forward to doing this again sometime. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. That was some really good stuff there by Tyler, especially detailing which quarterbacks make the most sense for Kevin O'Connell in 2024. And also how aggressive Minnesota was last offseason trying to trade up in the draft for a rookie quarterback. Be sure to go ahead and follow me on Twitter at Usaid Koshal. Check out my work on the Bear Report website. I've got articles and scouting reports dropping left and right. Make sure you've got the notifications turned on for the podcast. I know our publisher, Zach Pearson's doing a lot of scouting reports, podcast style where he's talking to people who cover other teams and other prospects, getting insight on some of the top prospects. We got one on Joe Alt that just dropped. We've got one on Caleb Williams, one on Drake May, one on Rome Adunze. So if you're into that type of stuff, be sure to scroll through your podcast feeds. Give that stuff a follow. Don't forget to check out the Picks for Polls podcast on Twitter at Picks for Polls. Leave a five-star rating and review wherever you get your shows. Remember to bear down, and we will see you guys next time.